Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin a new series focusing on the subject of stewardship. We will be seeking to develop a biblical worldview to help us evaluate God's expectations for us as His managers of our time, our work, and our money. Thanks for joining us on this study as we look this morning to the subject of capitalizing on the time that God has given us. Uh, yesterday I was walking through the woods on my mom's property and I can remember a conversation I had with uh, my dad when I was just a little kid. I remember him making this comment about his excitement to own property. He said that he had always wanted, ever since he was small, to have land that he could, and he used this word, manage. That was, that was bizarre to me. I never... I never I just didn't understand. What, what, do you, what do you mean by management? Wouldn't you rather just play and have fun and have a good time? What, what, what's this idea of management? Now, my dad worked for the U.S. Forest Service. So working in the National Forest Service, that, that whole uh, job is involved in the preservation of this resource and conservation and recreation. You ever think about that word recreation? It's actually a, a combination, uh, two words, a prefix, re and creation. You're not actually making anything new. You're taking what exists and you're bringing something new out of it. When we did a series this summer called I Was Wondering, there was one question that I did not address. And it was a question upon the subject of stewardship. And I felt like it needed an entire series in and of itself. And so here at the beginning of a new year, kind of turning over a new leaf, I think that it would be apropos for us as God's children to take an evaluation over his purposing of the human creature on the earth, on this planet, to serve as managers of that which belongs to him. And so this morning, that's what we're going to try to do. We've got a few other components that are going to work into our message this morning. So I'm going to be moving at a little bit of a quick pace. I want to begin by giving an introduction for this series entitled Stewardship. And even as I was working through it, it occurred to me that to take seriously what God has purposed in the life of the human creature ought to terrify you. It really ought to. It ought to be wonderful and amazing and incredibly humbling as we really come to see what it is that God has entrusted into our care. And so one of my goals is to, by the Spirit's leading, hopefully offend you. (laughs) Not unnecessarily, but, but hopefully in a way that challenges you. To see your identity as both a human and as a servant of the true living God by virtue of following Jesus Christ. That you and I have been entrusted with a very precious treasure to the end of bringing God glory here on the earth. Now to begin with, on this idea of stewardship, it actually starts with understanding who we are, as I've already mentioned. You heard uh, the long reading here, starting in the book of Genesis chapter 1. That as we begin, we actually see how God had designed the world. And what we will discover is simply this. We were created to be managers of what belongs to God. Not owners of what we think belong to us. That is who we are. We are managers. Stewards. Of not that which belongs to us, but actually that which belongs to God. Here is a humbling verse, and there's many that I could choose from. Simply this one for us in Psalm chapter 8. The psalmist says, 
When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. Check out this line right here. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Isn't that incredible? God has entrusted his creation to us. And he's done it in such a way that it's made for recreation, or if you will, re-creation. He set little hidden Easter eggs throughout the whole thing for us to enjoy. Do you know how good venison is? Or walleye? Right, he put them there for us to discover. What about um, the trees, right? Anybody like carpentry or woodworking? Being able to take what God has put there and to craft it, to make it, to recreate it into something new? I think of all of the, um, the metal that's harvested out of the earth. How did it get there? Who put it there? God put it all there for us to find and discover. It's very early on in the story. In fact, in chapter 4 of Genesis, what you have are mentioned by the writer two, two people. One who discovers how to make things out of metal. And another one who figured out how to make instruments to play music. God has entrusted all of these things into our care that we would serve as managers. I want to give you a definition here for a manager. It's an agent or an operator who governs over an estate for the positive and productive return of the owner. That's what a manager is. Now, if that manager is not working for a productive and positive return, what should you do with the manager? Fire him. Find a new one, right? Because what is a manager designed to do? Not to keep that which they think belongs to them. It actually belongs to the owner. But to use it, to shape it, to recreate it in a way that brings glory to the owner. I just think as how God has scattered all these wonderful treasures upon the earth and entrusted them to us. It reminds me of Christmas morning as a parent. Do you guys have a good Christmas morning? Anybody get to celebrate that with your children? Um, I'm not going to... Not going to spoil Santa Claus for anybody this morning. But nevertheless, we get the joy of buying presents for our kids. Do you know what one of the best things is as a parent? Is getting to see your children unwrap them. And seeing, wow, wow. Now, who knew what was there? I did. I, I knew what I wrapped up. But I put it there to see the joy and the excitement to be used in the lives of my children. God's done the same thing for us. He's, he's hidden all these wonderful treasures throughout the earth and now entrusted it to us to serve as managers. Not of the things that belong to us, but that truly belong to God. So the question then for us is this. Well, what belongs to God? Again, no shortage of verses on this. Just a handful for you here. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the whose? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. Psalm 15, 9 through 12. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. So what does God own? You guys got it. All right, moving on. 
All right, our next uh, section to introduce this series is going to address what I'm calling three valueless treasures. Uh, As we look to the scope of how we would study the subject of stewardship, we are going to address it over the next couple of weeks from three perspectives. These treasures that do not contain value in and of themselves. Money, work, and time. You, You know money is valueless? Can you eat money? It, it actually has no purpose in and of itself other than the value that we ascribe to it. Work is something that produces value. And if you don't use the abilities to work, it remains latent and dormant and therefore valueless. And time itself requires definition in order to find value. It could go either way. Time could be used for a positive or negative. Think of a prison sentence. Time is not on your side in those cases. And so this is what God has entrusted for us to be re-centralized around Jesus Christ. And so that's the scope of the direction that we're going to go for this morning. And very quickly, I'm going to work through a passage in the book of James. If you would turn there with me to chapter 4, I'm entitling this message, Capitalize. And we're going to be studying the subject of time. This is going to be our first session here on stewardship. How do we steward our time? And we're going to look into the book of James chapter four, just a couple of verses. Everybody there with me? Give me an amen if you're with me. Okay, here we go. James four, starting in verse 13. James writes, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go do this or that, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. All right, just a short passage To work quickly through a few observations and conclusions for us. The first, which should offend you, is this. You don't know what tomorrow holds. The the, the more I began to think about that, the more it just seemed offensive to me. Imagine if someone came up to me, uh, came came up to you and said, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'd be like, well, like you do? And of course I know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? The sun's going to rise Life's going to go on, right? Isn't that right? Except what? You don't know. In fact, there's a parable that unifies these three valueless treasures of money, time, and work found in Luke's gospel. We're not going to address it in depth this morning, but we're going to come back to this. I just want to share it with you real quickly as Jesus frames how these three need to be seen submitted to God. And if they don't, watch out. Jesus says, And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, like wealth, like money. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger barns, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Is he working? No, just inherited a bunch of grain. But God said to him, you fool, this very night... Your life will be demanded from you. How much time did he have? Did he know what was going to happen tomorrow? He didn't. Not at all. Or this verse from Proverbs 
27.1. This is what James was reading when he wrote this. He says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Or Matthew 6.34, Jesus says, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, but worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And the more that you're able to wrap your heart around that, listen to me, it will change how you live. Number two, life is short. So look back in the text here, James, uh, today or tomorrow, we'll go and do this. He says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow in verse 14. Then watch what he says here. What is your life? That's a little offensive, James. What do you mean, what is my life? Look what he says. You are like a mist that appears for a little while, and that's it, and then it vanishes. I want to show you some verses that repeat this through the scriptures. Psalm 39, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You've made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Psalm 103, 15 and 16. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place is known no more. This from 1 Peter chapter 1. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. Well, how's that? A fine, happy new year to you. Your life is like the grass. You ever mow your lawn? It's a pretty apt illustration, right? You crying over those blades that were cut? They were there today. Guess what they are tomorrow? Gone. Wow. Wow. That is our lives. Boy, if we are not told this, if we're not reminded of this, our lives are going to look extremely different in our relationship and understanding of God. So you don't know what tomorrow holds. James teaches us your life is short. And lastly, this is key. Failure to recognize God as the giver of this day will result in sin. If you do not submit the time that you have been given today in recognition that is a gift from God, if you don't do that, do you know what will happen to you this day? You will be led, perhaps unintentionally, into sin. And James helps us to see that as well. Look at what he says, starting in verse 16. He says, as it is, you boast and you brag. The Greek here says that you have uh, pride or boasting in your arrogance. And so we got a couple of sins that are mentioned here. Boasting, which is pride and a sin. Arrogance, which is leading to scheming. And then one more, if you look a little bit further in verse 17, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do, but doesn't do it. What's the Bible say that is called? It's called sin. And so you would be also led, if you don't value this day as a gift, it doesn't matter to you, right? (laughs) What do I care? I'm going to take the day off. God has things for you to do. He's got good prepared for you to do in this life. If you don't recognize that, and therefore don't do those good things. I'm not, make, I'm not making this up. Do you see it? It's right here. He who knows the good, he ought to do, but I don't want to do it. That's called sin in your life. A sin of sloth or laziness. And so he, here we go. This is what we're left with this morning. Now, again, I'm moving quick through this, but I want to give us a way of repair. What can we do to really steward the time 
of this short life that we've been given and you don't know what tomorrow holds, I want to offer to you this idea, capitalize your day. Now, capitalize is a word that I'm using in a couple different ways. So um, you guys know what the phrase carpe diem means? Anyone ever see what Dead Poet Society, whatever that was? Yeah, means seize the day. So uh, another way of re- reframing that verbally is to capitalize on it, right? Go, go take advantage of this moment that you have. But there's another meaning that I want to give behind this. Because to capitalize something, specifically a name, is to give it honor. Now, your day might just be listed with a little lowercase d. I want to challenge you to make it a capital D. In the same way that we might have a capital city or a, uh, a way of honoring a city within a state, that's a form of capitalization. To capitalize with reference to economics and stocks and bonds means to choose out of the others, like to make special or unique or significant. That's what I mean. This day. Do you have tomorrow guaranteed, yes or no? No. You have what? You have today. So capitalize on this day. How do you do that? I want to offer you three ways. Number one, put God first in your life. Put God first. If you look at the problem that James is addressing, the subject of all the decisions in verse 13 is us. We will do this. We will spend a year here. We will carry on business. Really? Who seems to be the one in charge of this day? Well, according to them, it's themselves. I want to challenge you to put God first and to start out your day like this. Give thanks to God the very moment that you may wake up. Offer him the day. Say, Lord, this is a day that I then return and I give back to you. The Jews actually have a tradition and a practice of this. They would begin with a prayer, thanking God, the eternal king, for returning their soul to them in compassion, declaring, great is thy faithfulness. They would do that at the beginning of every day. And so if you offer your day to God by putting him first, you're capitalizing it because it no longer belongs to you. Belongs to who? Belong to him anyways. It's just a matter of you and I recognizing it. I want you to know that we could stop here because this is enough, honestly. If you just did this one thing, then whatever happens to you this day is under whose control? Isn't that good news? I don't know what's going to happen to you later today. But if you have come in dedication and saying, Lord, here's my day. He's now the one who's in charge of it all. So whatever is going to flow from this unknown to this day is going to belong to him. Number two, maximize or redeem the time that you have. So here, what is your life? It's just a mist. We see a very temporal concept here of the time that's been given. Um, There's two other verses in the scriptures that speak to this idea. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians 4 say essentially the same thing. Paul says, be very careful how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, by making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Again in Colossians, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of of every opportunity. Uh, the Greek here is, is framed a little bit differently. It's, it's literally, and you're about, you may have memorized it this way, redeem the time. Have you heard that before? Like redeem the time? It literally means purchase out of time. That's what the Greek literally says. Purchase it back out of time. And there's a few ways in which I think that we're able to do this. The, the word of redeem that's used there is the same word that we use 
when we go to Culver's and get kids' meals and have those free little scoopy tokens. Anyone else ever get those? You know what I'm talking about? Do you get kids' meals ever at Culver's? Who am I preaching to today? Does anyone? Emily, do you? I got one hand in the back. Amen. Thank you. I see your hand there. Amen. All right. Do you know what you can do with that scoopy token? Can't eat it. I mean, you could try. It'd be disgusting. Do you know what you can do, though? You can take it back and redeem it for something more valuable. Two ways that we can do this. Urgency and reconstitution. To redeem, to make the most of an opportunity, means maybe you need to work a little faster with greater intensity. A little more carefulness, a little mindfulness in what you're doing. The question that I would ask you this morning is, where are you missing opportunities? Because you don't see a sense of urgency. Remember, you don't have tomorrow, guaranteed. You have right now. How else can you maximize and redeem the time that you have? Well, by reconstituting it. Um, There was one time I was sitting in the airport and my flight was delayed. Guess what I was given the gift of? More time. Now, what could I do with that time? Put my head down and sleep? Maybe. Or I could reconstitute it. I could use it for something greater. Repurpose it. Add intentionality to it. Bring meaningfulness to the time that I have. These are two ways in which I want to challenge you to work towards redeeming the time. I do lastly want to make note here on the second application that it doesn't say make opportunities. Did you notice the Bible doesn't say make opportunities? It says make the most of the opportunities that you have. So God is the one who's going to provide these moments. You and I need to be attuned to watch for them and then maximize them, thereby capitalizing on them. Lastly, You need to seek God's will and not your own will. We were at a McDonald's drive-thru the other day and and ordering chicken nuggets. My wife made sure to tell me, get barbecue sauce. Now, I was still trying to figure out what I was going to order, so I forgot to say that. And then she lovingly told me again, make sure to get barbecue sauce. Now, who does that meal ultimately belong to? I'm not eating chicken nuggets. It belongs to her. And so if I'm going to properly manage it for her, I need to think after her will. And not mine. This belongs to her, not me. You get the point? Of all the things that you and I have been given here on this earth, it should, it should cause you to tremble that God has entrusted the, the earth and all that is in it, his glory, into our care. In the text in verse 15, it says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we should do this or that. And so this is a larger subject that we're going to have to spend more time on. How do you do this? How do you seek God's will? I want to simply submit to you this morning. This is the answer for what it means to capitalize on the time that God has given you. And if you do these things, this is a challenge this morning. You will learn how to steward this valueless treasure of time. And to bring God glory. Of all the things that we have been given, none is greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been entrusted with this. And so for some of us, this means full-time work and service to God. But for all of, the, all of us, it means that we are a kind of missionary. You may not be an overseas foreign missionary, but you have been left here on this earth. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit, God has not taken you to heaven. He's left you here. And he's left you here to be a witness to that hope to which he wants to call all people to. And in so doing, you are a missionary. 
We're going to see further how this impacts how we understand our stewardship of time and to ask God's help for that.